Evolution, Revolution. A discussion on the changing shape of us. This podcast series has grown out of some articles I've written, which you can find in the show notes. Lifeline Church is undergoing a transition. This is a critical stage for those who have grown up in Lifeline or joined along the journey to bring their unique contribution to the table, because those that have led for the last 40 years won't be leading for the next 40. As we continue the journey, we need to know what we need to carry with us, what can be left behind, and what needs to be developed. I hope this podcast, along with my articles, might provoke and inspire you to offer what you carry. Excellent. So back here with me, Nick, and I've got Jamie with me, and we're going to be looking at another article that you've written, Jamie. And this one is titled, Authority to Lead. And the idea of submitting to authority is a very controversial slash unpopular idea in the world in which we live. Um, We don't have to look very far to see some sort of leadership scandal or just leaders not acting in the way that we would assume a leader would, whether that's looking at government. Um, Most people would probably be able to talk to some sort of experience of a dodgy boss or um, unjust teachers. Um, There's probably a lot of people that could, yeah, think of an example where someone has used authority wrong and that's had serious impacts. But the Bible teaches that we should submit to authorities on earth. So how can we submit to such people? Yeah, I, I think it's it doesn't come naturally to us since the fall. We want to be our own bosses and we want to look after ourselves. And the best way to do that is to amass power, which is the opposite to submission. But when... God reveals who he is to us and when we see that he actually is the boss of everything and we choose to accept that and he becomes the boss of our lives then it doesn't matter who he asks us to submit to because we're already submitted to to him and so there becomes a there's a reality of not needing to be our own bosses anymore knowing that God is our provider and our protector that he will make sure we have all that we need means that we can we can put ourselves in positions where we're out of control um and i think it's there is a grace that god gives us for that so in your article you cite the example of david and how he was able to submit to a corrupt leader in King Saul. And he wasn't just like a corrupt leader, he was trying to kill David. And um, clearly, yeah, Saul had it in for him, and he was, yeah, a corrupt leader. So what could possibly possess David to submit to Saul in that situation? Yeah, I, I mean, David's quite incredible when you read the story. I mean... He stayed with Saul for as long as he could do to the point that Saul's trying to pin him to the wall with a spear. And at that point, he's thinking this isn't going to work out very well to stay here. But he had a couple of key opportunities where Saul was 
within his reach and he could have put an end to him. So Saul's following him with the whole army to try and find Dave, David in the caves. And Saul went into one of the caves, just happened to be the one that David and his mighty men were hiding in. Um, so Saul went in there to relieve himself. And whilst he was there, David was able to sneak up and cut a bit of his cloak off. Um, and then when Saul left and went down, back down to the, back down to the bottom of the hill David showed himself and said look this is a piece of your 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 um your cloak it sh it was evidence that David could have killed him but David had even then felt guilty for having done that and you think well but Saul is so despicable um why would you feel like that but what you get from David the whole way through even when he's facing up to Goliath his point of outrage is God's honor and recognizing that there is a God in Israel um, and so that same attitude is worked out when he's able to surrender or submit to leadership like Saul where he's saying he, he on David honors God and he recognizes all authority comes from God and God has chosen to anoint Saul. Doesn't really matter how Saul is behaving. He recognizes God has chosen to use him. And so it's a constant tension for David. How do I live under this guy or not, not take it into my own hands to... Uh, kill this guy. David had already been anointed by Samuel at that point. He'd had, had the oil poured over his head and he knew that one day he would be king. And the temptation must have been there. Oh, I could just take this. I could take it now. And you see, that's always the temptation for mankind, whether it's Adam and Eve taking the fruit. I mean, God probably intended to give them that fruit at some stage, but they took it for themselves. Cain was given the the chance of if you don't do you not think if you do right you will also be rewarded he took it he took for himself um abraham and sarah they took for themselves what was promised and so david recognized i trust my god i love my god and he will distribute his authority as he chooses and i would i dare not hijack what God's trying to do and so there's a real humility that David has in his journey but it does just beg the question why would someone like Saul be given God's anointing to lead is that just a question that we shouldn't concern ourselves with because yeah it's reading the story and the way in which David is just so clearly like, no, Saul is God's anointed leader. I cannot touch God's anointed is remarkable. But you can't help but read the story and think, but why is this guy God's <laughs> anointed leader? Is that just, is that not the right question to be asking, you think? Uh, it's a very real question to be asking. But if you look through the scripture, there ain't many that got it right. And um, you can think, well, these aren't good role models for us, really. But then you're reading the story back to front because the story is actually about God who faithfully works with fallen humans 
in their weaknesses and it's through their through God's constant love and laying down of his life that we become anything um even when Abraham uh ma- and God uh, God makes the covenant with Abraham they cut up the animals and walk th- the idea of he, Abraham would have been aware then that this idea of cutting animals in half and walking between them is saying if I fail on my side of the bargain let my my life be like these animals that are destroyed here but in that vision that Abraham has God is the only one that walks between those animals which is effectively God saying if I fail let me be destroyed but if you fail let me be destroyed and that's what Jesus came and did for us on the cross he was fulfilling our failure and that's the story of of the the whole Bible and so yeah I look at Saul and I think what a dreadful person I don't know how much more dreadful he is than me and yet I am the beneficiary of God's constant faithfulness and love and and meeting me in my failings that yeah I don't know why God works with me but he chooses to he loves he loves me he wants me involved and it's f- not from a sense of right do I have authority it's just absolute mercy of God so by submitting to Saul's leadership, David's ultimately submitting to God. And David eventually does become king, but there are some very, very tough years um, on the run, living in and out of caves, all of that kind of stuff, his name being slandered. But he knew he needed to submit to God, and by submitting to Saul's leadership, he was submitting to God. What makes, well not what makes us, why do we submit to Jesus' kingship? Is it so, because if I look at the story of David and Saul, submitting to God didn't mean everything was great. So what is it about submitting to the Lordship of Jesus? Yeah, I first of all, we don't submit to Jesus' kingship because we think it's going to work out well for us. I submit because I believe he's actually king of all. The safest place, therefore, is to be in his will, even if it means that I suffer in this life. I'm trusting him to keep me safe from harm, but that's not harm from difficulties that we might face in this life. And Jesus prayed for his disciples that they would be protected from the evil one, yet most of them suffered persecution, horrific deaths. So... Did Jesus' prayer not get answered? Or is there a fate worse than pain and suffering and death? And I think there is something more significant, which is uh, Paul talks about it in Romans 8.18. said, I consider our present sufferings not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. There is a sight of something that God is doing. in His When we see God's nature and we get a sense of where he's taking us, we can yield to his his plans for our lives even if it takes us through pain and suffering because god uses these things like a like a furnace to melt off the impurities 
but he's taking us to something even better. And through what God has revealed of himself to me, I'm inclined to trust he knows what he's doing, even when I don't. And actually, in times where I've tried to control my own life and not give up my authority, not surrender and submit to him, I haven't made life much better for me. It might look like in the short term, but I believe that he can make something valuable out of me. And therefore, I submit because he is Lord. It's not... It, my sum, my su- submission doesn't make him Lord. He is Lord, so I submit. So what do we do if <clears throat> a leader requires us to go against the word of God? How do we know what authority to submit to in that situation? So... First of all, Jesus is Lord of all. That's what um, that's what God set out, and that's what we we recognise. And so, therefore, our highest priority is to please our Master, and that becomes more important than pleasing people. Um, in 1 Thessalonians 2, 4, it says we're, we're not trying to please people, but God. So in all that we do, we are accountable for that. We can't be in a situation where we've we've disobeyed God, we've sinned, and we blame it on, well, this is what my leader told me to do, because we have our own conscience. So in the in levels of authority, what we would teach is, first of all, God through Jesus is Lord of all then he lets us know of his will through the word of God. And so that's the, the next the next level of authority is the word of God, the Bible, what the Bible says. And we see that in Numbers 23, 19, that God won't contradict himself. And in 2 Timothy 3, 16, the scripture is uh, God breathed. So there is an authority and a power of the word of God. So... Anything that contradicts that must, we, we've got to stick with what is the word of God. The third layer of authority would be our conscience. So 1 Timothy 2 5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. So there is no one that, no human can be between us and God. So therefore, God speaking to our conscience is is critical. But then if our we know that our conscience would not contradict the word of God. And the word of God won't contradict what God's saying because it is God's word. I mean, in Romans 14, it talks about we need to listen to our conscience and 1 Corinthians 8 talks about we must not violate the conscience of others and so there is a recognition of the authority level of the conscience then the fourth level we talk about the delegated authority through leadership and this is um, recognizing those that God has put in place for our benefit they are held accountable for our well-being and our growth and our becoming more like Christ And we voluntarily submit to those people. So 
those that kind of hierarchy of authority if a leader asks you to do something that's out your con that, that violates your conscience then your conscience trumps if there's some your conscience won't trump the word of god um and the word of god will never trump who god is so that's that's how we look further so there's no place for tyrants in the kingdom of god nor is there for blind followers because we each have what we need to be able to please god okay that's that's really clear and that's really helpful and i think so for example if a <clears throat> if a leader's telling me you need to forgive this person but i'm saying well no in my conscience um i don't feel that i should forgive them clearly the word of god would would say no you need to forgive um i guess there's other things that may not be as clear cut so thinking off the top of my head i don't know a leader tells me i think you should serve in children's ministry for example and i'm not serving anywhere but in my conscience that doesn't sit right the word of god would tell me to serve so in that situation would would it, would it just be like okay then my leaders told me to. It doesn't seem right in my conscience, but I know that we are to be servants. Should I just go and do it? So if we believe in the priesthood of all believers, we believe that, and that there is no intermediary other than Jesus between us and God. If I was your leader, I would be saying to you, Nick, is this something that God's given you to do, serving in the children's ministry? I don't want to position myself as this is the word of God to you, Nick. This is my, must what what you must do. I'm asking you and I'm standing with you whilst you get a clarity of what God's got for you. Now, during that processing as your friend, if you're saying, yeah, well, I really just don't like children. I say, well, that doesn't fit, fit with the word of God. Jesus says, let the children come to me and lots about investing in children so I said that doesn't sound like the word of God for you um, doesn't mean therefore you must become a children's worker but I can help you eliminate the thoughts that aren't aren't God's thoughts but ultimately at the end of the day I want you to hear God for yourself because that's where the conviction comes it doesn't come from me issuing you edicts okay cool that's helpful. So aside from the fact that when we submit to our leaders, we are actually obeying God, and that's a pretty good reason to do something, we benefit from submitting to our leaders. How can we benefit from submitting to our leaders? Yeah, I mean, the the, the benefit is clear. Um, Hebrews thirteen seventeen it says, have confidence in your leadership and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. And so the implication is there is benefit of um, of leadership and how God uses them as a, a channel or a pipeline to get his grace to us. Why does he pick leadership? It's just his choice and he's the boss. He gets to decide. Why does he pick these particular leaders that are over me? I don't know. He's picked them. He knows what he's doing. 
my job is how can I be of benefit? How can I be of support to them so I can get the benefit of what they've got? But I believe as we get in the flow of the anointing that comes through leadership, we will we will benefit. And you see that kind of idea of getting in the flow. Psalm 133 paints this picture of the oil which represents the anointing or the power of God being poured onto Aaron's head and it trickles through his beard and then down his robe and so the idea I see from that is if I want to get the benefit of that oil I want to get under the head I want to be in line to be able to receive what what he's doing and Jesus talks about it like if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet you get a prophet's reward well I think that's the same for for leadership if if I realize, okay, God, you've put this person in place, you've you've put your authority in them, I want to be a beneficiary of this authority, so I, I want to come to them and, um, and position myself underneath what they've got for me. And in my experience, I have seen, when I've done that, um, I've seen breakthrough in areas in my life that got stuck. I mean, I, I've had conversations with some people where they've talked about difficult situations they had within their work setting I have no um, experience of their work setting I had no kind of silver bullet of an answer but they were recognizing that God was using me as a pipeline for getting grace and anointing to them and by opening up their life and their situation God was able to speak through me that brought a change for them it kind of happened without me being really aware of it but they said they came back to me since they spoke to me they have seen a, a incredible change in the situation that they got a benefit because they brought what they had underneath me as their leader um, it wasn't about me it was about their position before god but it was expressed to me as a person in that moment so there is a place where we can question leadership, of course. Um, we see it, well, Moses, one of the major leaders of the Old Testament, I wouldn't say it was just questioning, he dealt with some serious rebellions, uh, some from his own siblings. Um, but yeah, he dealt with rebellions from the people that he was trying to lead. What do you think was wrong about the position that those who rebelled against Moses were trying to take. In, in Numbers 12, you see the rebellion from Aaron and Miriam. Um, so they are they're relatives, they've been close to him, close to leadership. But you hear it in, in the line, does the Lord speak only through Moses? They said, does he not also speak through us? And there's that position of, what you're not why are you better than us and they started comparing themselves to Moses now you could take any leader and compare yourself with them and you might have better credentials you might have a better track record but that's not the issue it's who has God chosen to use and who has God chosen to put in that situation it's God's not just a like a slot machine or a, a vending machine you put the right coin in and you press the right number and it does what you demand of it god's got his own mind and his own plan and you see 
at the end of that, that, so they've just said, he could also speak through us. And the Lord heard this. And you're thinking, oh, whenever you get that kind of clue. And so then God calls Moses and Miriam and Aaron to the tent of meeting. And then he calls Miriam and Aaron forward. It's like going to the principal's office. Like They've got to be quaking in their boots at this point. And God says to them, why were you not more afraid to challenge my servant Moses? And that's the thing is, it it wasn't a rebellion against Moses. It was a rebellion against God to say, no, we can decide which, which channel God chooses to use. So their biggest issue was they, they weren't humble. They positioned themselves. They set themselves up. And that's what you see in, in Scripture that there is, there has to be room to challenge leadership. If, if there's a higher authority of our conscience and the word of God, we've got to be able to bring that to, a leadership, to leaders. But we've got to do it with a, a sense of humility. Um, in uh, Corinthians, Paul's saying, um, you need to be, he says, uh, 1 Corinthians 3.10 by the grace of God has by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. And this idea of you're recognizing I'm adding to something that is being built here. And it's very easy, uh, particularly when when you're young and idealistic, to to have all the answers, oh, we've got to change it this way and change it that way. But have you paid paid the price? Have you suffered in the trenches as those senior leaders that have been through and walked with people through pain to just come in and throw your answers around? Is that dealing with things humbly? And it might be that God has given you insight that needs to be of needs to be received and of benefit, but it's what God is wanting to do that you're wanting to build build on, not self-promotion. And I think that's that's something we've got to be very wary of and suspicious of our own hearts. Am I is this about me, my position, my recognition, or am I like David of I just want the world to know of him? And if I live towards that, I bring things humbly. Cool. What we'll do, I think we're going to leave it there. Um, there's a lot more in this article that we will explore in a future episode. Um, but that's been great so far. Thanks, Jamie. And we will be back with part two to the article on authority to lead. Thanks for listening to this eight episode podcast exploring how to make a healthy transition to the next generation as a church whose heart is set on pilgrimage. We invite you to listen to the full series, but also to get in touch if you have questions so that iron can sharpen iron as we bring our collective wisdom together. Our contact details can be found in the show notes. For further teaching, do tap into the Lifeline Church Sunday Teaching Podcast and watch out for our conversational podcast on questions arising from the Book of Kings due to be released in July 2023.